should wait to come out, that you should uh, try to gain rank or status before you do that. That's a bunch of bull It's a new day in the music industry, and I can reach my fans. We're getting there. I've caused harm to the political agenda, and which I'm actually happy for. I would say probably the best message to them is that they're on the wrong side of history. Whether you're lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, or whatever, love is love. Shout it out to the world. The Michelle Miao Show. Your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now here's your host, Michelle Miao. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me here on the program. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. Let's jump right into it. As I told you this week, we're going to do as much uh, d of, d of the DNC coverage uh, as possible. And so today's program is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. All right, let's jump into it. We have a special guest with us, and uh, I'm very excited to have her on for for several reasons. One, she's there in Philly covering the DNC, um, and she's also an author of a new chapter of a book that we will discuss in her interview, and she's also the executive director of Equality Florida. So let's welcome Nadine Smith to the program. Welcome, Nadine. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Wow, it's loud. It's loud there. You know what? I this is probably the quietest part of, um, of Philadelphia that I'm standing in right now because it's such, I mean, it is absolutely bedlam. Um, um, let me see if I can get it just a little bit quieter. No, 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 no. I actually, I like, I like the, uh, the noise, you know, it gets me all riled up. I'm really excited. Uh, you you know, for, for a lot of us who aren't there, we've just seen, um, the first, the first, the opening day, really, of the Democratic National Convention, and some amazing speeches already. Although it started out a little, uh, I guess, hairy is a good word, or a little controversial. Um, the night did end with some powerful speeches. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I wasn't, I wasn't uh, there for for any of that, but you know, it's the first time I was a delegate it was in 1992 when Jerry Brown. Uh, was running against, and Paul Saunders were running against uh, Bill Clinton, and there was lots of, you know, uh, we lots of spirited uh, folks, uh, you know. So that's not unusual at a convention. I think the the speech by the first lady was absolutely shifted. Mm -hmm. tenor of everything in, in uh, mm -hmm. I think it's so significant that you are there, I mean you specifically being the executive director of an LGBT organization out um, in you know, Florida with uh, a lot that has happened here in this country but specifically uh, yeah I'm talking about Orlando and just having you know presence of LGBTQ voices from the state itself um, that probably has to be emotionally overwhelming as well well, you know, it, it has been, and I actually flew from Orlando uh, last night after back-to-back -back benefits um, in Orlando mm -hmm. around the around the tragedy and supporting organizations on the ground there, mm -hmm. and um, and that was, you know, it, it's tremendous to be in a community. Uh, for example, the Broadway show Fun Home did it uh, did a an event there, and. Um, and uh, they, they, 
they brought their show, their Tony Award-winning show, and they kind of stripped it down so it was just at microphones. They got a standing ovation before the show started. Mm-hmm. They got a standing ovation after this incredible show. They, they left the stage, tears in their eyes, and they said, you know, they, we came to give love to Orlando, and we got back much more than we gave. And so I do think that there's something pretty magical um, that people understand, you know, not to crib the slogan from the convention, but we really are stronger together. Right. That in moments like this, I think Orlando stood at a crossroads of being told to turn on each other, to, to, you know, meet hate with hate, to meet it with suspicion, um, or to come together mm-hmm. and to confront it with love, with more connection, and you have community bonding like never before. You have, you have Republican legislators or you know, elected leaders apologizing for dragging their feet on LGBT rights. You have mainstream conservatives, I should say, you know, conservative mainstream folks in the religious communities who have either been silent or have spoken out against LGBT equality saying, we were wrong, we understand the connection between our words and discrimination, dehumanization, and violence. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is the moment that has opened up in Orlando, and this is the, this is the moment that we have to capture uh, nationwide. Right, right. I want to I want to jump into uh, this topic that um, I just mentioned uh, right before, or w- right when we started the show, because uh, I know I'm calling you pretty much half an hour before roll call on Tuesday, um, right? It starts at four. And yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah, and so I, let's jump into it. So earlier you got a call from Bob Graham, who's the former governor and uh, United States senator for Florida and asked if you would write a chapter for his upcoming book, America, the Owner's Manual, You Can Fight City Hall and Win. Um, right. <laughs> so you did, you did end up writing a chapter. Tell us about it. I did, and this was months and months and months and months ago. And I, I asked if I could write a chapter about the growing voice of business, the business community on the issue of LGBT rights. We had started a program called Equality Means Business, and we had seen some changes happen in Florida as a consequence of the business community speaking up. And at that, and, and one of the big indicators that we'd reached something of a tipping point was Indiana, where, where Mike Pence was governor. And he had signed into law this really ugly, hateful, anti-LGBT legislation. And it really triggered a, a, a pretty ferocious backlash from the business community. It was Mm-hmm. Arizona before it, but Indiana sort of became the first state where you saw, you know, like Angie's Book and Salesforce and major companies saying, we're not going to be quiet in the midst of it. We're going to push back. Um, and they pushed back hard enough that, you know, he began to, you know, backpedal and, and try to undo the damage. But this, you have to remember that this was at a moment where Mike Pence had gone to Nevada, you know, he kissed the ring of you know, of all of the Republican major donors, he was considered an absolute shoe-in to run for president. Um, you know, he was boasting that he had a budget, uh, that he had balanced the budget in ways that was the envy of 49 states. And then he basically, you know, sabotaged his own economy, um, chased off businesses, had businesses in the, in the state uh, threatening to leave. 
mm-hmm. and then backpedaled in the, in, in the worst kind of way. And he went from a very likely strong presidential contender to a guy unlikely to win re-election as governor. Um, and probably the best indication of desperation, one of the few people willing to even accept the VP role on the Trump ticket. So, so anyway, I, I had written this chapter, obviously, with no idea how the Republican primary would play out, and certainly no idea how the, how the vice presidential process would play out. Uh, so it, it's timely, and, and the publishers decided, the, the authors decided to release the chapter early um, because it coincided not only with Mike Pence being selected as the VP on the Trump ticket, but also with the NDA um, making good on its promise to hold North Carolina accountable for having what is now the worst anti-LGBT law in the country. Right, right. You know, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, not knowing when you wrote the the chapter again, you said, you know, didn't know how the the VP pick was was going to play out and didn't even know how the, you know, the Republican National Convention was going to play out. And surprisingly, you got someone like Peter Thiel from, uh, you know, the founder of PayPal is also an out gay conservative businessman who has spoken out against uh, religious freedom bills. I mean, I, I can't. I, I can't even begin to articulate the um, contradiction that was present at the RNC. I wanted to hear what your thoughts were in in that. You know, how contradicting or the irony behind Mike Pence being the VP and uh, also being a, a man who stood behind you know such discriminating bills. Do you think that America somewhat forgot that? No, I don't think people have forgotten it. You know, listen, let me be very, uh, you know, let me <laughs> keep it 100 here. In 1992, when Bill Clinton was the candidate, I was a delegate to that convention, and I was, in fact, the ch- one of the co-chairs of the, of the Gay Caucus. And I'm pretty sure it was probably called the Gay Caucus. It might have been called the Gay and Lesbian Caucus. But my point was that the Democratic Party went through its own evolution, and it changed it from the inside. And I think what people always have to ask themselves are, is, am I changing the party or is the party changing me? Um, today, I went to the caucus meeting and it was a packed room, standing room only. We weren't begging elected leaders to come onto the stage. In fact, if anything, we were hoping all of them wouldn't speak because we were running out of time. So the, the, you know, the sea change that has happened has happened because there were people willing to be in the mix when it wasn't easy when we weren't getting everything we demanded. I remember in 92, we were, we were fighting to get Bill Clinton um, to say the word gay in his mm-hmm. acceptance speech. Mm-hmm. And I think a gay man was running the teleprompter at that time, and we got the word that it wasn't in the written speech. So when he said the words from the, those of us who were there, I mean, we just went berserk. So, I, so what I mean by saying that is that, that what you have to ask yourself is, is, am I changing that process or is that process changing me? There mm. are some contradictions that can't stand, though. So when I, you know, my critique of, of Peter Thale's endorsement of Trump is the smallest part of it is, is that he's a gay man supporting somebody who is antithetical to everything on, that when it comes to LGBT issues. Mm-hmm. You know, what I would say is, you know, you're helping somebody who is antithetical to every civil rights um, advancement in this country. This is a guy who is dangerously, um, you know, putting, t- t- would take our country down a very dangerous path 
And so, to me, there, there's a difference. But I don't want it to, to simply, I don't want to put that critique out there as though I don't understand what it is to be inside of an, an organization that you're seeking to change. I right. think he's not being effective in changing. But, um, but you know, time will tell. But anyone who is helping somebody as dangerous, with, with as divisive an agenda, who is, whose temperament is so, you know, counter to what you need in a steady, calm leader in this country. Right. To me, that's where the problem is. The fact that it's a gay man doing it is like 40th, 40th down the list of what's wrong with endorsing Trump. Right, right. Well, thank you so much for that. And I mean, I, I do want to, to bring you back on to the show, probably maybe when, you know, the DNC is over to, to go much more in depth of your work. Um, and, and thank you for your work, by the way. It is it is picking up. Uh, I can hear behind you. What do you got planned for the rest of the day? Are you excited for the, the uh, Tuesday night speeches? Um. Oh, sure. I'm looking forward to them, and I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to connecting with some of the different activists from around the, around the state, around the country that are going to be here. Um, you know, we're looking at work around um, stemming gun violence. And I, I, I want to just say this as we um, part company. You know, we've raised, we've helped raise a lot of money from 120 different um, countries, uh, from, from, people who could write large checks and people who could write small checks. But uh, victims of mass shootings from other places who flew into Orlando and said, we needed to be here, we need to stand in solidarity with these families who are just beginning the journey that none of us ever wanted to take. They said, you have to do more than raise money. You must honor them with action. Mm. And that means uprooting hatred, and that means disarming it as well. Mm-hmm. So, so we're committed to those twin goals of, of making sure that the, the vigil, the memorial that we have for what happened in Orlando is not a fleeting thing, not a passing thing, but it is a lasting commitment that shows up as real change. And so we are, we are building coalitions like never before, and I just want to invite people to visit EqualityFlorida.org, um, EqualityFlorida.org, and you can find out the work we're doing to to honor that commitment, to honor them with action. And I appreciate you giving me a place to talk about that. Oh, absolutely. And like I said, again, I think that uh, we uh, we should definitely have you back on the show so that we can talk more in depth about it. But I know it's DNC week and there's a lot happening and, uh, you know, there's a lot of activity right behind you. So uh, it doesn't do it justice when we, we can't hear you very well. Um, I want to thank you so much for being there and representing Orlando and representing all of us uh, who have concerns regarding, you know, just the keeping, keeping Orlando in our hearts and understanding why we need change going forward. Nadine, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Michelle. Take care. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll continue coverage of the Democratic National Convention. I think that I will actually want to play uh, maybe some of the speeches that have already aired. And, you know, we're kind of doing a report back um, after the fact, right? Uh, By the time this airs, you will have already heard speeches from Bill Clinton and everyone else. But I think it's also timely. And I think keeping the dialogue open is what helps us um, just come together and be united. It's a time that we need to do that. So so let's go to break. When we come back, we'll continue our coverage. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. 
Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? <laughs> Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Sines, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.alegrecare.com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm a one-man band this week. Our producer, Kenny, is doing, well, he's doing millennial-type things, you know, and hanging out and around, and I always think it's a good thing to give him a break when he needs it. Um, it is the Democratic National Convention Week, and so we're doing our best to do some coverage. You just heard from Nadine Smith, who's with Equality Florida, and we have some delegates uh, who are there representing the LGBTQI community. I believe his, you know, this is this is breaking history, right? And, uh, we've got, I think, nineteen transgender delegates there at the Na uh, Democratic National Convention. So. A lot to be proud of, in my opinion, um, after Michelle Obama's speech. Like I said, or after the first night of the Democratic National Convention, I would have to say that I woke up a very proud Democrat. Um, I lost my ways a little bit. I think I think that we all did in suffering from a little bit of uh, just su such sadness with so much that has gone uh, on here in the year 2016. And the Republican Party is, I'll have to say it, it, it even affected me to a point where I was a little depressed about, you know, all of the negative things that were happening. I mean, on a policy side, of course, that I wasn't buying any of the fear mongering. Um, Donald Trump, the Republican candidate, presidential candidate is spewing out there. Uh, at the same time, of course, we're human. We're all affected. Uh, I think that we're going to try to get one transgender delegate who is actually here from Northern California and uh, who is a good friend of ours who's been on the show, Tiffany Woods. Um, she's there on the floor. Uh, she might be able to join us by phone, but with any of these things, we get it. Things happen. So if she indeed uh, will not be able to, we're going to replay some of those significant and powerful speeches 
um, that uh, that that we're hearing out of the DNC. So I think for now, I, let's let's go ahead and go back to listen to to listen to Michelle Obama's speech. I mean, it was just so so incredibly powerful uh, that I don't think any of us can ever get tired of listening to that speech. should be president. <laughs> Remember how I told you about his character and conviction, his decency and his grace, the traits that we've seen every day that he served our country in the White House. <laughs> I also told you about our daughters, how they are the heart of our hearts, the center of our world, and during our time in the White House, we've had the joy of watching them grow from bubbly little girls into poised young women, a journey that started soon after we arrived in Washington, when they set off for their first day at their new school. I will never forget that winter morning as I watched our girls, just seven and 10 years old, pile into those black SUVs with all those big men with guns. And I saw their little faces pressed up against the window. And the only thing I could think was, what have we done? <laughs> See, because at that moment, I realized that our time in the White House would form the foundation for who they would become. And how well we managed this experience could truly make or break them. That is what Barack and I think about every day as we try to guide and protect our girls through the challenges of this unusual life in the spotlight. How we urge them to ignore those who question their father's citizenship or faith. How we insist that the hateful language they hear from public figures on TV does not represent the true spirit of this country. How we explain that when someone is cruel or acts like a bully, you don't stoop to their level. No, our motto is, when they go low, we go high. <laughs> with, with every word we utter, with every action we take, we know our kids are watching us. We, as parents, are their most important role models. And let me tell you, Barack and I take that same approach to our jobs as President and First Lady because we know that our words and actions matter, not just to our girls, but to children across this country. Kids, kids who tell us, I saw you on TV, I wrote a report on you for school. <laughs> kids like the little black boy who looked up at my husband, his eyes wide with hope, and he wondered, is my hair like yours? And make no mistake about it, this November, when we go to the polls, 
That is what we're deciding. Not Democrat or Republican, not left or right. No, in this election and every election is about who will have the power to shape our children for the next four or eight years of their lives. I am here tonight because in this election, there is only one person who I trust with that responsibility. Only one person who I believe is truly qualified to be President of the United States, and that is our friend Hillary Clinton. Hillary to lead this country because I've seen her lifelong devotion to our nation's children. Not just her own daughter, who she has raised to perfection, but, but every child who needs a champion. Kids who take the long way to school to avoid the gangs. Kids who wonder how they'll ever afford college. Kids whose parents don't speak a word of English but dream of a better life. Kids who look to us to determine who and what they can be. You see, Hillary has spent decades doing the relentless, thankless work to actually make a difference in their lives. Advocating for kids with disabilities as a young lawyer, fighting for children's health care as first lady, and for quality child care in the Senate. And when she didn't win the nomination eight years ago, she didn't get angry or disillusioned. She, Hillary did not, Hillary did not pack up and go home. Because as a true public servant, Hillary knows that this is so much bigger than her own desires and disappointments. And that was part of Michelle Obama's speech uh, that we all saw and heard Monday night. So inspiring. I want to play the whole thing, but I'm very excited to also tell you that we were able to connect with Tiffany Woods, um, who is one of the transgender delegates that's there at the Democratic National Committee. And she's actually... She's actually there on the floor, and there are some exciting things that's just about to happen. So, Tiffany, welcome to the program. Yes. Thanks for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here, and I'm glad that we get strategically do it. Um, it takes some planning. So much going on here. <laughs> exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, just you know, we're we're talking right now. It's Tuesday, right before uh, the uh, the the gavel. What's it called? The gavel. Yeah. The gavel session ends. Yes. Yes. There you go. And um, and already, you know, the first the first night we already seen and heard from some incredible people uh, who have given us some motivating speeches, like First Lady Michelle Obama, you know, Cory Booker, uh, Elizabeth Warren, and uh, and he himself, Bernie Sanders. Um, what, how are you? I'm checking in with you. What's what's the experience been like? It's been it's just surreal to be here because you so you see it on television if you haven't been to one before it's like you know um, am I going to experience that everybody you know takes away their own experience it's fast paced you can't do everything um, 
you know, there's morning stuff, there's caucuses, there's a California delegation breakfast, which they, um, amazing this morning, they had Bernie Sanders came and spoke with us, Rep- uh, Representative John Lewis, which I was right up front taking pictures of him. Uh, we had uh, uh, Al Franken from Minnesota and Senator Amy Klobuchar, both senators. So, hold on a second. I'm on a radio interview. I'm on a radio interview. So, check it. I'll find you. Um, so, I mean, that we, you get hit with all this stuff all the way up until you get here, and then we're waiting for sessions. So I'm tired, um, sore. Sleep is apparently overrated because um, I needed to bed till four last night. Uh, I was actually in the bar. We're staying at our hotel, MSN, MSNBC, and CNN. So we're in four o'clock in the morning. I'm with Joy Reid and uh, Chris Hayes. Hot chatting. It was. I had a great conversation with Joy Reid at at three thirty to like or three twenty, about three forty to four, talking about um, HB two and you know uh, trans issues and stuff. So that was exciting. So these moments happen. And you don't expect them away from the floor. When you're here, you know they 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 set up the next speaker with their. Right now they're handing out placards that say "Do more good, do the most good." So that's setting up for the uh, one of the first speakers. Do the most good. So. So we get kind of prepped, like when the Michelle, they started handing all the Michelle sticks, we mm. knew Michelle was coming up, and that builds the energy and the excitement. So, you know, you're really anticipating that. So it's really, really, um, you know, you got to pace yourself, because this is only day two. And, and the energy is building towards Thursday night. So we're expecting tonight, right now, is the roll call. And Bernie Sanders has asked for his roll call, and all the votes have been counted. I actually voted this morning. Uh, signed everything off yesterday, and I actually cast my vote for Secretary Clinton today, which was historic. So, yeah, emotional, <laughs> yeah. trying not to cry, trying to go. You know, it's just a roller coaster of emotions right now, and I think I'm feeling, a lot of people are feeling that, too. I'm just feeling in a very historic moment for, for many, many reasons. Right, right. Um, Tiffany, how, how many minutes do we actually have with you, just so that I can time this? Um, keep going. You keep giving me, I, I could probably do five. It looks like it. All right, let's... people on stage, but they're setting up. So. Okay, okay. Um, so who's been, like, the most exciting for you in terms of, like, you know, seeing people there, meeting people? Um, yeah, who have you been most struck by? Um, uh, Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom, I've never had a chance to really meet with him. So I met him briefly last night, and he was working, coming up with the delegation and saying hi to everybody. And uh, that was exciting. Uh, I met Chris Hayes at Joy Reid's last night in the bar. And it was fun watching them just have fun and letting their hair down. And uh, they had a long day. And so that was really exciting to just sit there in a non-kind of scripted. And, and not walking up and saying, can I take a picture? Because that's that everybody is doing that with everybody. It's almost kind of rude. You know, they're not even letting for a moment, an organic moment to happen. Um, so um, met Governor, um, former Governor Gray Davis and had a great conversation with him last night. And that was exciting. Um I think having this conversation with Joy Reid at 340 was very, very gracious. I just said, I walked up to her and I said, wait a minute, I said, keep keeping holding them accountable. And she said, I will. And she, I said, I'm trans, I'm Tiffany, I'm trans. I'm one of the first French delegates from California. And we just started the conversation about HBD. keep holding them on HBD. And she goes, you know, that's not really, you know, about. And boom, we, that happened 20 minutes before we even took a picture. Mm-hmm. So it's that that was exciting to have this conversation, you know, not being interviewed, not an official thing, and just really talk about 
and and at three forty in the morning, she had so thought, you know, and, and she was she was engaged in the conversation. And I mean, when this had happened, I was just like, it was beautiful. It was just an amazing moment, and she gets the issues, and and it was like, yeah. So I was really excited about that one. So sometimes it's not the it's it's you know it's not the politicians or whatever, it's the celebrities. And I've had an amazing conversation with local people, you know, in the community as we're going back and forth to the train. So right, some right. really good stuff. Now, before I let you go, I did mention that you were one of, I think, um, 19 or so was the, the, the last count or number or official number of transgender delegates that were there, uh, that are there. No, we are with the numbers now 28. Wow. Wow. This 28. Is... There's actually three from California mm-hmm. um, and two, uh, two from the Bay Area. We identify delegates who ever attend a de- Democratic National Convention. In 2012, there was 14 total nationally. So we doubled that total. Um, there's three, April Spilner from Spilker from San Diego, myself from Red Lee's District, and then Mia Satya from San Francisco was elected as a Bernie delegate, and she's here also. Uh, so speaking of, you know, this uh, specific delegate, you're there as Hillary Clinton's delegate. I mean, talk to us about why you chose to support um, uh, Hillary Clinton in this race for president. Um, her platforms, there are many issues, uh, as a mom, as a trans Latina mom, I had, with three kids and a special needs, um, she spoke to me, you know, she talked about autism, and I have a son with mildly autistic, her 28 point, it's about, no, 24 point LGBT transgender inclusive platform that's laid out, including, um, violence against transgender women that needs to be addressed. Transgender of color is, is the whole HIV. I mean, which which both both have addressed those issues. I don't know her her, her issues spoke to me, and maybe it's because I'm a mom. I'm almost turning 53. I'm trying to you know move my family forward. I I, I support Senator Sanders. I've always loved him, and either one would would be amazing. I chose to support Hillary. If Senator Sanders wanted, I would easily pivot and support. Him. So I don't know. I just, I just, there's something about the first woman in the White House with her, you know, her qualifications. I like her strong on, on foreign defense. But I, I think she's also shown as an ambassador, too. You know, when you stand on the stage of Geneva and say, you know, um, gay rights are equal rights and equal rights are gay rights, I, that speaks to me. Maybe, you know, my activism is different than, than a lot of other activists. So I just, you know, just we all have our kind of personal reasons, um, so that's kind of some of mine. Uh, I, I, I they share so many, so many, so many issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also educational issues. You know, school teachers, I, kids going to school, and how do we make them stronger? How do we make them better? So I, a lot of it, I come from a kind of a you know, there's the trans thing and the activism, the LGBT, but I also have that whole mom kind of perspective that also informs my my lens. And so I kind of try to, I have, I have to put on these multiple lens to come up with a full um, kind of thing, a full, a full picture. That, that, that kind of frames it a little bit for you, just from my personal opinion. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so do we have time for one more question for you? One more, yeah. Okay. Okay. Two. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, take you know, advantage of the moment. I know. I know. I anytime you need to go, you could just say, Michelle, I gotta go. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, Hillary Clinton's vice president pick, and that is Tim Kaine. What are your thoughts? Um, initially, I was like, okay, 
Um, but the one I've actually talked with Virginia delegates and been hanging out with them, I'm excited. Uh, if, if you really think of it as Paul Vathan, you know, he's been in civil rights work, uh, education, women's work. I, I like it very strategic. You really look at it. So if you have, I mean, he works among multiple intersections. As a sitting senator that becomes a VP pick, the governor, McAuliffe, in Virginia, if I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, will then point our Democratic senator to replace him. So we don't lose a Senate seat, and we pick up a vice president candidate. I think it's strategic, and we don't lose. We only gain to win-win. I think he can work a lot of issues for her. Uh, I think it's a really good pick. Everybody here has been very famous. The Hillary supporters are, are excited about his pick. They're talking about his pick, especially the Southern delegations are. Mm-hmm. Well, my last question for you then is um, just, uh, you know, where those of us who aren't there, we're obviously tuning into the media, and so we only hear or see what they want to tell us. Uh, there have been reports that, you know, Bernie Sanders is – uh, supporters will continue to protest uh, the DNC from outside as well as Black Lives Matter and members of the Black Lives Matter group to bring attention to the racial injustice um, that the, the community continues to face. Um, what, are your, what are you feeling from the insider? Are people talking about it? Um, what's been the dialogue? Well, that, so they've been protesting all over. They're outside the gate now. They've been all over downtown, and they're, they're the majority of the protesters. Tonight, they are all wearing Black Lives Matter. As tonight is the LGBTQ caucus, and as you support, everybody knows, when you're viewing, you're going to see LGBT visibility from the LGBT caucus. You're going to see rainbow clothing, flags, anything we can, rainbow wristbands. The Speaker Pelosi um, left for the delegation, for the California delegation. So we're, we're showing that. We're also standing in support of Orlando tonight. So we're hoping that all the viewers are going to be a contrast of the diversity and the celebration of our LGBT um, people and how we live our lives in the contrast to Republican. But you're also going to see Black Lives Matter features. A lot of the Bernie supporters are wearing Black Lives Matter. So you're going to see some of that going on tonight. So you're going to see a contrast. You're going to see different issues being visible through placards or clothing. Um, so I'm not sure what's going to happen. I know our delegation of, of very passionate supporting Bernie Burners have been making the news. They're very visible. They don't seem to have any um, endpoint right now. Uh, it was a pretty raucous breakfast this morning. So uh, hopefully the cameras don't focus always on that, but I would like them to focus on, on the rest. But what else are the people in the convention saying? Because mm-hmm. it really is it, it, it's, a, it's a small amount. The cameras are only showing them, and they're doing it on purpose to get the attention Bernie came to the California delegation this morning breakfast and spoke to them and said we need to work together and we created this revolution and but we have to get behind Secretary Kelly basically said that she is the nomination and we need to help her die. And they booed Bernie down. They were booing him. Oh no. And I thought, Okay. You know Yeah. So yeah, so that's kind of what's happening internally and we're like it's starting to the point where they're starting to some of them, there's a few of them, they're just They've been asked to passion that channel, that passionate energy for to continue the causes, but but not right now. And, and that didn't sit well. So um, we're day two, 
Theater. Here we go. Here you uh, go. Well, Tiffany, I want to thank you so much for being there and representing the LGBTQI community and representing us here in Northern California. And uh, I, I can't wait till you come home so that you can give us even more details in it. So enjoy your time there. I will. And I, like I said, I'm tweeting now pictures. We have the, it's called Dem Convention, DNC in Philly. There's several hashtags. And we're asking, if you can ask your viewers, as they see the rainbow flags where they do screenshots or rainbow, try to capture some screenshots and tweet them out themselves or Facebook or, or social media them out so that we can also, because it takes, it's not just us before. We're hoping that the viewers catch that, but then do something with it, mm-hmm. you know, so so that we keep this going. Let's make it a bigger, let's use social media to really put out the good content. Same with the Black Lives Matter t-shirts. With the hashtag them and get them out there and show those visible because we are the party of diversity. That is our strength. That's that's the strength that we focus on, and that's what makes us stronger together. Um, and that's why we build bridges together and don't tear down. We tear down the walls. We don't build them up. So, so the viewers, we're going to you know, I'm asking them to also participate, you know, and bring out the good of tonight all through all the social media platforms. And that would be really helpful to us here who are working because because we're getting ready to do the roll call tonight, and you know, we're trying to come together and let something healing and maybe this is, this is the right weekend but eventually that has to happen we have three months the real work is when we get home we have three three months to keep the white house a democratic white house well and that's what that's what we're focusing on for a majority of us are focusing on across states so that's, that's right. kind of the message i'd like to say and, and, and bring back when i come back and report back and i'm excited to report back um so that's yeah. right there you go. That's Happy right. Day. Happy day two. Happy day two. And and uh, count me in when you get home. Like, uh, you know, some of us are late to, to the party here in terms of, like, getting active. But count me in to, to, to get my hands dirty. So, Tiffany, thanks right. again for taking some time out. And feel out. free, if any of my tweets that I'm tweeting out pictures of Facebook, feel free to repost and reshare on any of your platforms. Oh, permission. Thank you. Thank you so okay. much. Enjoy your time. Right, Bye. I will. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. That was Tiffany Woods, everyone, one of the transgender delegates, as you heard. And we're now up to uh, twenty over 25 or so. I think there's 28 now is what she said, um, which is history. That is just so incredible and so amazing. Uh, we'll continue the Democratic National Convention coverage here on the Michelle Miao Show. You're tuning in to the Progressive Voices Network. But first, we're going to take this very quick break. Don't go away. Thanks for listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on by joining our community. Each week, we send out an email that covers important things taking place in the Progressive Voices Network and throughout the progressive world. Be the first to know of upcoming shows, schedule changes, exclusive programming, and more. Simply go to ProgressiveVoices.com and sign up for our mailing list. It's that easy. ProgressiveVoices.com. Thanks for listening, and thanks for joining the Progressive Voices community. The Commonwealth Club is a unique organization that brings together people from a variety of backgrounds to explore important issues as a community. Sooner or later, everyone worth hearing comes to our stage. From Marga Gomez to Richard Chamberlain, from James Hormel to Kate Kendall, leading thinkers, activists, politicians, and artists have come to the Commonwealth Club of California. Ted Olson and David Boyes came here to discuss their winning legal strategy for same-sex marriage. Jason Collins talked about gay athletes. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence discussed activism and good works. Actor and director Rob Reiner explained how he got Hollywood behind same-sex marriage. Barney Frank described what it's like to be gay at the highest levels of Washington. 
From healthcare reform to transgender rights, from immigration to gay-owned businesses, it's all at the Commonwealth Club. And that's still just a portion of the 450 programs we present every single year, with new programming nearly every single day. Be a part of the conversation. Learn more at commonwealthclub.org, download our free app in iTunes, and join us in person the next time you're in San Francisco. The Commonwealth Club of California puts you face-to-face with today's thought leaders. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining me here on the program, continuing to produce this show on my own here with no board operator. But hey, lots of us in radio, we know the drill. When you're a one-man band, that is, that is, that is what you do. Um, so I'm having a good time. I'm also having a great time checking in with friends who are at the Democratic National Convention. Uh, that's one of the things that has been so inspiring for me is the fact that like so many of my friends are there. I think there was once upon a time in which you didn't really have friends there unless they were super powerful. So that would then mean that you were someone incredibly important. And not that like I'm super uber important, but uh, I think that for me, my experience would be a testament to the growing support of uh, and uh, acceptance and and tolerance of LGBTQI people. Uh, And the fact that we have been a part of, you know, all these social movements um, and the Democratic Party has definitely been an ally to to our movement. That is the equal rights movement. And of course, lots of us know this. We know for a fact that President Obama is the first official and only president to have done so much for the LGBTQI community. So we're going to miss President Obama a lot, a lot. (laughs) I think I had already posted that. Um, several months ago that uh, I was going to miss the Obamas. So it's no surprise that I'm completely impressed and motivated and inspired by Michelle Obama's speech. And it has been the only speech that I really have wanted to share. I had to cut the the first part of it short. And I'm sorry, I interrupted uh, some of the speech because I was picking up a, a phone call from Tiffany Woods, our transgender delegate, um, who was phoning in. And with these things, you know, th- stuff happens. And so we kind of got to catch them when we can. And, and thank goodness she was able to find a quiet spot. So why don't we just continue airing the rest of the speech? Um, like I said, it's worth listening to. And uh, let's go ahead and, and get to the uh, middle part. And when I think about the kind of president that I want for my girls and all our children, that's what I want. I want someone with the proven strength to persevere, someone who knows this job and takes it seriously, someone who understands that the issues a president faces are not black and white and cannot be boiled down to 140 characters. Look, because... Because when... When you have the nuclear codes at your fingertips and the military in your command, you can't make snap decisions. You you can't have a thin skin or a tendency to lash out. You need to be steady and measured and well-informed. 
president with a record of public service, someone whose life's work shows our children that we don't chase fame and fortune for ourselves. We fight to give everyone a chance to succeed. And, and we give back even when we're struggling ourselves because we know that there is always someone worse off. And there, but for the grace of God, go I. I want a president who will teach our children that everyone in this country matters. A president who truly believes in the vision that our founders put forth all those years ago, that we are all created equal, each a beloved part of the great American story. And when crisis hits, we don't turn against each other. No, we, we listen to each other. We lean on each other because we are always stronger together. And I am here tonight because I know that that is the kind of president that Hillary Clinton will be. And that's why in this election, I'm with her. one thing and one thing only. It's about leaving something better for our kids. That's how we've always moved this country forward, by all of us coming together on behalf of our children. Folks who volunteer to coach that team, to teach that Sunday school class, because they know it takes a village. Heroes of every color and creed who wear the uniform and risk their lives to keep passing down those blessings of liberty. Police officers and the protesters in Dallas who all desperately want to keep our children safe. People who lined up in Orlando to donate blood because it could have been their son, their daughter in that club. Leaders like Tim Kaine. <laughs> who, show, who show our kids what decency and devotion look like. Leaders like Hillary Clinton, who has the guts and the grace to keep coming back and putting those cracks in that highest and hardest glass ceiling until she finally breaks through, lifting all of us along with her. That is the story of this country, the story that has brought me to this stage tonight, the story of generations of people who felt the lash of bondage, the shame of servitude, the sting of segregation, but who kept on striving and hoping and doing what needed to be done so that today I wake up every morning in a house that was built by slaves. watch my daughters, two beautiful, intelligent black young women, playing with their dogs on the White House lawn. And, be 
And because of Hillary Clinton, my daughters and all our sons and daughters now take for granted that a woman can be President of the United States. anyone ever tell you that this country isn't great, that somehow we need to make it great again, because this right now is the greatest country on earth. And as my, my daughters prepare to set out into the world, I want a leader who is worthy of that truth a leader who is worthy of my girl's promise and all our kids' promise, a leader who will be guided every day by the love and hope and impossibly big dreams that we all have for our children. So in this election, we cannot sit back and hope that everything works out for the best. We cannot afford to be tired or frustrated or cynical. No, hear me. Between now and November, we need to do what we did eight years ago and four years ago. We need to knock on every door. We need to get out every vote. We need to pour every last ounce of our passion and our strength and our love for this country into electing Hillary Clinton as president of the United States of America. So let's get to work. Thank you all. God bless. Michelle Obama, First Lady Michelle Obama. It puts a lot into perspective. I mean, I wonder, you know, what uh, first husband <laughs> Bill Clinton's going to be like in that position especially because he's also a former president, you know, and, and uh, man, she was just, she was one of the classiest, and so I thank her for that. There are obviously several other speeches that were very powerful, very motivating, and equally inspirational. Um, Senator Elizabeth Warren, as we all know, kind of went in full speed in attacking Donald Trump, which I'm you know, I can't say that I I didn't appreciate. I mean, there we we all play a role, and that uh, that was her role. Um, also, Senator Bernie Sanders, I really enjoyed making sure that we put it out there um, as far as some of the issues that we really should be talking about as a party, and um, not just as a party, but as, as a country. Um, and some of the things that he's talking about, we are worried about that, and that is the income inequality or this widening gap, right, of wealth. Um, there is, I, do, I can't see that being sustainable. I don't think any of us can as progressives when the 1% uh, combined may have more money than 99% of its own citizens. Like, it, 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 it can't be. 
uh, that way. And so I hope that, that that will be a focus for Hillary Clinton. And considering she's got all of those relationships with those big corporations, with those big banks, that it won't be that difficult for her to be able to fight for us, the 99% in closing that gap, whatever that means. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a legislator. I don't write laws and I don't come up with these things. That's why I'm not in politics per se. But I hope, I, I think, I that's all I have right now is hope, right? And I think that's all we really have. But if it's between Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, in that I want someone to evolve to really think about, you know, some of these issues that impact us economically, racially, socially, I think that Hillary Clinton has to listen to us and, and kind of, you know, she's putting herself out there for, for us to trust her with our votes and she's asking us to, to vote for her. You know, it's been interesting. It's been very interesting, this election. It's been crazy, to be honest with you. I've seen a lot of things being said, being thrown out there. What's been most surprising would be anyone other, if you're anyone other than like white and Christian and you've come by my page or you've written to me or you've spoken to me and you want to vote for Donald Trump because of the terrorism, like that, I don't, I don't, I don't understand because you yourself, your life and how it's impacted today, there are several other issues that you probably need to be focused on before you're focused on terrorism. Um, and, and it almost scares me that some people here in this country are talking about terrorism as if it is a brand new thing. I mentioned this on my Facebook page the other day. My first election was in year 2000, and that was the uh, Bush, Gore, and Nader. I'm going to put him in there because he actually did impact um, up to 3% of the popular vote. But, you know, that was one of Bush's campaign premises, which was, you know, this war on terror, that he was going to do something about it. So remember, you know, we've already declared war on terror back in 2001 and 2003. And, you know, there was all this talk that Saddam Hussein had, you know, mass weapons of destruction, and that was what we were going for. And he was this evil man. Don't get me wrong. He absolutely was an evil man. Um, but, you know, I, you have to really think about American occupation and the damage that we have done to Middle Eastern countries that have contributed to the anti-American sentiments, uh, I think, and absolutely have contributed to the growth of terrorism. That's what they use, um, um, anti-American sentiments to back up, you know, and recruit. And that's what they do, do best is recruit some of the young people who are willing to give up their entire life uh, for these, you know, horrible horrible acts of murder and violence um so it doesn't make any sense to me if you're brown or you're asian or you're you know anyone other than white and christian and talking about um keeping people out of this country uh and and backing trump's immigration policy or thoughts or his position on it or backing him on banning muslims from coming into this country makes no complete sense to me I want to thank everyone for joining me here on the program and sharing your time with me. I love doing this show. It's been kind of crazy producing it and being behind the scenes on my own. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm learning, I guess, as I go. But um, that's what we do here in radio. We love it so much. I'm here Monday through Friday, 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time on Progressive Voices Network. Don't forget... 
John Zipper of Commonwealth Club hosts his week-to-week political roundtable talk on Fridays. B.B. Sweetbriar, it's everything with B.B. Sweetbriar, is here on Sundays at noon. And uh, B.B. is a drag queen extraordinaire here in San Francisco. And so I believe that uh, she does an incredible job interviewing some of the most artistic, cultural, entertaining people of our community and um, I, I love it. I love you guys. I love you for tuning in. For everything else, you can head to michellemeow.com. Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy the Democratic National Convention. I, I do have to say, I do believe we need to come together in order to maintain the progress that we've made, but also to continue fighting. And I totally believe that Bernie Sanders, the, the revolution continues. So for us Sanders supporters, we're still in the game. Until next time, my friend, and be good, be kind to yourself, and uh, we'll talk soon. 